Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom, I'm Michael Karam, and welcome to another edition of My Brother's Keeper. Today we're going to be focusing again on the issue of solidarity and mutual responsibility as believers for those in the Middle East and other nations that are under persecution. But we don't want to just focus on today on necessarily the difficult part, the, the bad news, but we also want to talk about the promises of God regarding the nations in the end times. We have a special guest with us today, um, Don Fintu, who heads up Caleb Global. Welcome, Don. Thank you very much. We're going to start out today with a, a scripture that's dear to both of our hearts that relates to Israel and the nations, and that comes from Romans 15. So if you have a Bible, read with us from Romans 15 and verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And then he goes with a prayer that we know very well. There's a few prayers here. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Messiah Yeshua that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ the Messiah became a servant of the circumcised to show God's truthfulness or his faithfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your amazing plan, especially right now we see unfolding in the Middle East, and not just with the Jewish people, but as well with those from the rest of the Middle East, both Muslim background, Christian background, others as well, other ethnic groups that you're wanting to bring in to the kingdom of God together with the Jewish people. Lord, we know that this area of the world is uh, as well a place of lots of tension and conflict, it's also a place that's not difficult for people to walk as believers. But Lord, as we also know as well that, Lord, when these, when these, when these people come to faith, when Jews and, and Muslims and others come to faith, Lord, we thank you that they're a shining light in a dark place. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for their testimonies. But Lord, we ask you that you'd show us how we can stand together with them. Thank you for the opportunity to be on this program and to look at these issues that are so important also for those living in the nations of the earth. In the name of Yeshua, amen. Amen. So Don is, uh, Don is with us today. Don, thank you again for being with us. He's a former pastor, author. I call you a spiritual activist as well. And you're the founder of Caleb Global. And Caleb Global is committed to igniting revival in Israel and the Middle East and in also to equip and empower believers uh, in the gospel to serve in the nations of the earth and to partner with like-hearted indigenous believers. Don, tell us about your life. How did it all 
begin. But wait, before you do that, wait, I want to say you're 92 years old. I just need to tell you about this. You've had almost a decade, uh, sorry, decade, a century on the, on the earth. You've seen uh, world wars. You've seen great major historical uh, things that have happened. You've traveled, you said, to 60 different countries. So you have a perspective that a lot of us don't have. And uh, I think that's what, what makes sometimes uh, when we talk and your words so, um, uh, so endearing to me and my family. But I just want to ask you one thing. How did, I, I know that you're kind of now, you sort of embody this, this, uh, this Caleb kind of uh, vision, and it's part of the reason for the name of the organization. Right. Tell us something about the biblical Caleb first before we get into that, because it's so close, I know, to your heart. Well, the, I'll, I'll tell you by, by doing it this way. The biblical Caleb, you know, was... Uh, one of, one of the 12 spies, along with, with Joshua, that, that wanted them to go in and take the land, but they couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I mean, I, I think often of what Caleb and Joshua had to live 40 years with people that I wonder how many times they thought, even if they didn't say it, we wouldn't be here if you'd listened to us. Right. And uh, so I, I named, and, and, and later he comes to Joshua when Joshua's in charge and says, give me that mountain. Mm -hmm. I'm 85, I'm still as strong as I was when we started this whole thing. Right. And uh, so when I started the ministry that we've got, I called it after Caleb because I wanted to challenge old people to still take their mountains when they're 85 and beyond. Yeah. And Caleb's descendants inherited the land. And I wanted to, I had been a pastor all of my adult life, really. Mm -hmm. and I was, a, I was a, a university professor as well for part of that time. Right. But as, as, as a pastor, I... The Lord told me. The Lord seemed to say to me that I don't want you to be the point person the rest of your life. I want you to raise up the next generation. So I left the pastorate after twenty-five plus years there right. at that one church yeah. that was back during the Jesus movement, and I started Caleb Company. and uh, And Caleb's descendants inherited the land, and he was wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord all of That's his life. Very important. And point. I wanted to, I I wanted to be sure that I was going to be strong the rest of my life and not flip out when I was 73 or mm -hmm. 81 or whatever or sit and watch TV all the time. Right. You know, I want people to challenge. So, yeah, that's that's how that whole thing started. So, yeah, yeah like retirement wasn't really part of the picture. You just said, I want to continue to take mountains even and, and, in these old absolutely. ages. And, and as well be a challenge or a, like almost to provoke younger people to even yes. move on and, exactly. and other people. So, tell us about your life. How did it all start? Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Okay, I will. And, and it's interesting. I'll, I'll tap into because you read, I wrote down the word encouragement when you, mm. and Paul says that in the last, and, and right. then, you know, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. Right. So it's Romans interesting 15, that, 13. yeah, it's interesting that the kind of childhood that I had, which was not always good, mm -hmm. some of it was good, some of it was not good at all, mm -hmm. but, and I wasn't fathered. My father left when I was two years old. I really never knew him. Right. I mean, I got acquainted with him when I was older, but I never knew him. Right. And... And then my mother died two years later, mm -hmm. and so my grandparents had had 10 children of their own, and my three older sisters and I moved in with them, so I was number 14 wow. <laughs> of that whole group. Wow. And I was four years old when I moved with the grandparents, mm -hmm. and I was father-hungry, mm -hmm. and a cousin of mine started paying attention. It turned into sexual molestation. So I had a, I got exposed to stuff I never should have gotten exposed to, but a lot of people get that. Right, it's not unusual. And, but the interesting thing for me world. is it never did turn me away from the Lord. It always turned me more toward Him. Uh -huh. So I can remember even as a child being hungry for the Lord, mm. and I was I was 
reared it in a congregation that was pretty sectarian. Okay. Pretty, a church that was pretty, pretty judgmental and sectarian. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 it didn't turn anyway, you off. Anyway, it turned me. Yeah, that even turned me off, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, so I grew up really wanting to be the Lord's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. I mean, I was wrestling with get my mind clear. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel like I really got it cleared mm-hmm. until years later. Right. <laughs> I was just fighting that whole time. So you, you ended up, you know, growing up, giving your life to the Lord at some point in your early uh, years, and then going off to serve the Lord in Germany. I, it's a very interesting story. Tell us a little bit about that. How did that happen? Okay. I was 11 when World War II broke out. Okay. And I remember lying in the bed, worrying about what if Japan and Germany should take over America. Mm-hmm. And but I remember thinking, but they can't all be demons. There must be some people over there that would like to follow the Lord. Mm. So when I was a senior in college, a Christian college, a man came recruiting people to Germany, and I knew nothing about the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I had to go. It, I'm sure it dated back to that thing. Right. And and I I could I walked for hours wrestling with God because mm. I didn't. Family was very important to me. Right. And I didn't want to go, but mm-hmm. I felt like I had to. You were married at that time. I, mar- we, I married during that time, and my wife and I went to Germany within the year after we married. Wow, so you started out right out serving yeah. the Lord in post-war as 20, Germany. As 22-year-olds. 22-year-olds <laughs> in post-war Germany. And came back when we were 30. Okay. And I'm sure that we probably helped some people over there, but it was more for us than it was for them. Usually the first time, it's more about what God's doing in us as much as he's doing in the people that we're reaching. Exactly. Right. So you came back, you started pastoring. Yeah. And then there was another great big turning point, really significant, that yeah. kind of is actually part of the trajectory in your story from that point on. Tell us well, about that. And, 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 and everybody knows, needs to know this, too, because I was, during the Jesus Movement, uh-huh. I can remember looking at pictures. So late 60s, magazine. early 70s. 67 is when it started. Right. So, and I was still teaching at the university and okay. pastoring a small church out at the edge of town. Mm-hmm. But, um, but during that, people, I mean... Uh, Time magazine brought out a whole magazine in June of '71. That's right, with about the, the pictures of the revival that was going on in California. Uh-huh. Jesus, and right. I would pour over those pictures like a man would pour over pornography. Yeah. <laughs> you know? right. Because I would look at them and I think they've got something I don't have. Right. There's a radiance in them that I don't have, mm-hmm. and so I became hungry because the church I grew up in didn't believe they believed all the gifts had ceased and God wasn't still doing miracles, mm-hmm. and but it, I, anyway, I kept growing up until finally, mm-hmm. one night in December of 69, I was 39, mm-hmm. and I got up by myself, and I got the Bible out, and I said, Lord, let you and I pretend that I've never read this before, and that I'm like, treating it, uh, that I'm like a third grader reading the Bible, mm-hmm. and I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, I'm going to believe everything I, I read tonight. And I knew where all the passages were on the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. st- strength and power, and I did just fine until I got to get started getting closer to First Corinthians, and I thought, ah. But that night, when I came to First Corinthians thirteen ten, because our church had said, when that which is perfect is done, that which is in part shall be done away. Oh, yeah. So we have a perfect Bible now, so we don't need the gifts. Right. But that night I said, no, that which is perfect has not come, and so I yielded myself to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I didn't have any re- reaction to it at that moment. Mm-hmm. But I said to the Lord, okay, as long as I have my present understanding, I'll never ask you again. I'm going to accept by faith that I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the th- interesting thing, just like I've accepted by faith that I'm accounted righteous, 
Right. And so the interesting thing is, on my way to driving to school the next day, I had an 8 o'clock large Bible class, 200, 150 okay. in a freshman Bible class. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was no longer just Don Finto. I'm God in Don Finto. <laughs> and students started confessing sins to me because mm. they thought I already knew them by the way I was teaching. Wow. I, I, would, have, I would have a word of knowledge. A student mm-hmm. would come and start to talk to me, and I knew what he was going to say. before. So I had to start having these experiences with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like, even though I was baptized when I was 11, mm-hmm. water baptized, that the real mark, and it also, when I, when I passed that landmark, mm-hmm. for the first time I was really able to get my mind clear and get rid of all that junk that I had been in for right. years. Right, you know? that affected you since childhood. It affected even. me totally. So yeah. that was a major turning point. With that came some other things as well. You had people coming... And then into the church that were from Jewish backgrounds, you said, uh, Na- that, that Nashville, where you were so, from, was a so center as well. I got in trouble community. at the college where I was teaching because I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so I stopped that and started at Belmont Church over in Music Row. Mm-hmm. And they had a small little congregation, but they said, look, you've, I was involved with all these Jesus movement people. Mm-hmm. So they said, look, you've got the ministry. We've got the place for it. Come here. So I, I did. So and you know, yeah. all the young people started coming. Okay. And then... So 1967 was the landmark Mm -hmm. when Jewish people started coming to faith. I know one Jewish person that came to faith before 67. That's all. That's all. But suddenly in 67 and only ever in 71 when I went to that church, Jewish, I mean, young people by the tens of thousands were coming. And we were one of only two churches in the whole city that accepted the Jesus people Mm -hmm. because they didn't dress right. Before the Jesus people, you had to put on a coat and tie every time you went to church. <laughs> after that? We had to, after that, they changed the worship and everything, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so Jewish people started coming to faith, and they're saying to me, and so I started having a weekly meeting with them to help them understand what it is now that they've accepted their own Messiah. Because for centuries, when Jewish people came to faith, both the synagogue and the church said, you're not Jewish anymore. Mm-hmm. That's absurd. Right. But now they're saying, wait a minute. As one guy said, baptism didn't bury my Jewishness. Mm, you know. That's right. And so I was helping them understand. And the classic statement was that one time one of them said to me, well, oh, okay, I got it. So then you're grafted into us. We're not <laughs> grafted into you. Yeah. You're the one that's grafted into us. Anyway, it was an interesting time. Right, and, and in a sense, that sort of changes the trajectory about you even getting involved in the Middle East. Well, so tell because, us how- exactly, because I started visiting these Messianic congregations to learn more. Right. But as a result, I'm 20 to 30 years older than these young people that are coming to faith right. who are now the leaders mm-hmm. in Israel. Right. And so I became a father figure in the Jewish movement. Which is quite amazing because here you didn't have a father and yet you've become a father. And, uh, and so I tell people, you can become what you never had. <laughs> you can, you can Ab- Abraham, or you know, the book of Romans, Lord calls what is not as, you know, as it is. Yeah. Yeah. And in a way, that's part of Paul, one of Paul's main messages, you know, in this is that, you know, you have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. Yeah. Yeah. Because a father is somebody that kind of, you know, brings you in, adopts you or something like that. You've written a few books, but the last book focuses, I think, mostly on the Middle East persecution and sort of what God seems to be leading us all into. Speak about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me let me tag one thing on about the right. thing because when I got this heart for the Jewish people, then the, the pretty soon the Lord said, "Yes, but you don't have my heart if you don't have a heart for the Arabs." Hmm. And so I 
the next time I would come to Israel, I mean, everywhere, I've, I'm then interested in the Arabs. And so that that started the whole kind of thing as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah something that we refer to between ourselves as the two-eyed vision, both for the, both peoples of the Middle East yeah. Yeah. and all of Abraham's descendants, knowing that, you know, Yeshua said, I have other sheep that are not of this flock. Right, right. So this, this as well expanded your heart. Yeah. But as you start to write, you're looking at now some of the things that have happened in the last 10 years, lots of persecution, yeah. Yeah. rise of different extremist movements. Yes. And yet you start in the book, you, you, you talk about a couple things. You talk about also the, the coming harvest in these nations, but also the growing evil in these nations. Yeah, yeah. Talk about that as a disciple. How do we deal with these two realities, and where yeah. does it come from in the Bible? Well, I, first of all, I don't write books unless I see something that I don't see anybody having said. Right. And so I, I wrote the book, Your People Should Be My People, because I saw, I saw two things. One, that Jewish people were coming to faith, mm-hmm. and, and it's the prophetic time for them to come to faith. Right. And secondary, that when Jewish people come to faith, it affects the nations. It does. And so I had two books that I wrote on that. And then, but one day I saw out of Jesus' par- parable of wheat and weeds, right. I saw one statement that changed the way I look at everything. Okay. And it's the statement where the the the, the man asked the, you know, the... The, his man, his, his, the king, if he should pull up the weeds. And he said, right. no, right. you might pull up the weeds. And he says, right. let both grow together until. until the harvest. And all of a sudden I saw what Jesus was saying because he says the harvest is the end of the age. Right. And Revelation 14 says there are two harvests because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Mm-hmm. So what I saw and what I'm seeing today mm-hmm. is every time I see great wickedness, I'm looking for the great righteousness. Wow. Okay. Because wickedness is never going to outstrip righteousness. Mm-hmm. So in the present setting yeah. and all over, yeah, that's, it, and, and it totally changed the way I look at everything. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm an eternal optimist anyway because right. it's all going to turn out. Right. The promises of God. God is faithful. He's going to show his faithfulness, as it says in Romans 15, yeah. to show God's faithfulness to the Gentiles. So ultimately he does want to inherit the nations. Yeah. Okay, so we're seeing all this evil. Yeah. We're seeing the the the, ride, the the growing up, as it were, of the tares, but yeah. we also should have an expectation of a coming harvest. Right. And especially in some of the most unreached nations, some of the right. nations where there's been the most persecution. And in fact, we've seen now some of the nations with the greatest amount of persecution right. have had the greatest harvests in them. We're speaking specifically more like China, Iran, places North like Korea, that. North Korea, even. North Korea, yeah. yeah. And you've been to some of these nations. Well, correct? yeah, I've been to China and... In northern Iraq and, right. and and right not, but we've talked to some of the people in Iran and right. some of them have visited with us and okay. I visited with them some some of them on Zoom, right? You know, mm-hmm. and so when the like for example when we started hearing all the horror of Iran, mm-hmm. I start doing like this. I'm pulling the wickedness back to look for the righteousness, right? And and now we're hearing that one of the greatest revivals that that's going on in the whole world today is in Iran. Yeah, and we've spoken that. We've had some, some different people come on and talk about Iran. As you look about right now, the changes in the Middle East and what's happening right now, how can people in the nation stand with the persecuted church in the Middle East and you know, in Asia and Africa, now even in Eastern Europe with what's happening as well? How do you encourage people to get involved, to not just become... Yeah. Those who are reading or those who are watching, but to actually engage and show solidarity and, yeah. and, well, uh, and first stand of all, with the weak. First of all, we can't, we can't negate the horror that's going on. Right. I mean, we have we to can't acknowledge get a, the suffering. We, we, we have to acknowledge the suffering. And mm-hmm. 
but then in the midst of the suffering, I mean, one of the things I've seen just lately, for example, is um, I started looking at the book of Acts on how people responded in persecution. And, right. and I, I, I mean, for example, I'll give you one example. And Paul in Acts 16, when he and Silas got arrested and put in prison, in the, in the I, in the I jail, never paid that much attention. In to Philippi. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were stripped. Right. And beaten and beaten and severely flogged. So it's like, and then and then uh, and here they are, pre- chained to the wall, worshiping. Yeah, they've got wounds everywhere. They've got wounds everywhere, and their hands and their feet are tied. Yeah, and and, and that reminds me of when I was in Beijing, we smuggled Bibles in okay. in 1989, mm-hmm. and there's a little sister there, Sister Mabel, that had a small little apartment, tiny mm-hmm. little apartment, but one whole wall was Bibles. Wow. And we said, Sister Mabel, aren't you afraid to do that? She said, and this is the attitude that I, I want and I want. Right. She said, what can they do to me? I've been in prison. They could kill me. I'll be with Jesus. And, and right. anyway, it's that kind of, I, to mm-hmm. me, it's pushing through, like in the present crisis with Ukraine and Russia. Right. It's, I mean, when I saw that happening, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm saying, okay, what are you doing, God? Right. And I believe... So the news is giving one... It's almost... Let's go back just really quickly and let's go back to the the, ten, the 12 spies. Yeah. When, the, when they return, you can't ignore the facts. No. But Caleb and Joshua and Caleb are seeing the truth, the eternal truth or the, 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 the real truth in the midst of the facts. They're seeing the energy of God. Right. They're in the seeing, midst of, in and the midst of facts. And they're seeing the, the possibilities, the promises, yeah. Yeah. even in the midst of the, the tragedy. So, so, so when you saw the, what was happening in Eastern Europe, you're seeing the news, but then you're also seeing, Lord, what's happening that we don't see? And see, the, see one of the things here is we, we dare not focus on the negative news. And mm. we cannot ever be strong if we watch too much news that's right. or read too much. We, that's, you know, get the book out. Read it. <laughs> I mean, and so in, right. in the present crisis... Mm. Ukrainian Jews are coming back. That's right. one good thing. And there's a revival going on. I know it. I don't mm-hmm. see it. Mm-hmm. I know there is in Russia well, and Ukraine. We're getting reports of you know, people praying under bridges, fasting, yeah. praying yeah. for their nation. I mean, obviously, in the midst of this chaos, there's something redemptive that's going on that you're saying that we don't often see in the news. Yeah. I mean, in a way, that you're, it's, a, it's almost a warning. You've talked to me, we've talked about this before. There's a side of our curiosity that kind of wants to draw us into evil. Mm-hmm. But as the, as the Bible clearly says, we become what we behold. So if we're beholding God, the word, if we're looking to him, we're going to be transformed even in the midst of these tragedies. Yeah, I I'd, 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 I'd tell people, give me a scripture that says, whatever is evil, whatever is wicked, whatever is horrible, think on those things. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You're right. You know, we, we've, we've also talked about, you know, how can we now show this response? What, what, what is our part now? I mean, look, obviously, we're standing on these promises. Don't, look at, don't be just fooled about what you see. Yeah. Look beyond. Have faith in God, even in the midst of the tragedy. I mean, this is a message for people in the nations, but what practically do you encourage people to do? Well, anything, anything that we can... I mean, for, I mean, for example, in the China thing, mm-hmm. we smuggle Bibles. Right. Uh, in the, I mean... We left, we, the, get, we left could, the comfort of our own home. We traveled across the world, is, and we took risks. We, exactly. <laughs> We've got to take risks. Right. There are people right now that are taking risks at the borders. Right. 
do for exactly. the so There are people all over. We had our last guest on talked about, uh, you know, how these uh, different Christian families and, and believers in different nations of Romania, Moldova, Poland are just bringing them into their homes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard about a church just recently in San Diego that had an outreach to uh, street children in, in, in Ukraine. And uh, the pastors flew over to Germany to receive all the children that were in this home. And now they're challenging their congregation to adopt these children. But so we've got to get, I guess really is, don't. Too often we're in our comfort zone. Right. And you're, we're never, I tell people we're never going to be as godly as we're supposed to be if we're not. If we stay in our comfort zones all right. the time. We're not it's challenged not to move beyond where we I mean, already are. Giving, I mean, mm. stretching in order right. to give, all right. that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the main stories here of Romans 15. You know, because you've shared in the Jews' spiritual inheritance, they yes. have a right you to... You owe it to them. You owe it to them, to them. You know, and there was a great famine at the time. They were expelled from different nations. So Paul was actually running around a lot of times just gathering gifts for the Jewish people as... He was wanting to extend his testimony and the witness to nations that had not been reached before. Yeah. And this seems like a kind of a, a theme all throughout the New Covenant, at this, this kind of connection to the roots and the, and the, and the Jewish people and Israel and, and Jerusalem, at the same time going to the nations. And yeah. it had a very practical aspect to it yeah. of, of transferring these gifts all around that were showing what was really in people's hearts. Because, you know, you know where are... Where our heart is, there our treasure is as yeah. well. Or where our treasure is, there our heart is. We yeah. put our treasure and then our heart follows. Yeah. Don, you, you, you know, you've walked a long walk over 92 years. You still, you know, you're still optimistic about the, the days to come. You've recently shared a message with me, but I think that message would be relevant to other people's. Just give us a, can you, if you can, for about 30 seconds, maybe well, just give well, that I, message. Well, I, I, I preached a message on a guaranteed, I believe, a guaranteed path to joy, peace, and optimism. Okay. And it was four points. Right. <laughs> One, obey the commands. Obey the commandments of Jesus. And, and I was thinking when I was talking to you, for example, if there's somebody listening that's not been baptized, it's a command. Come on. Get you may think, not the, let's obey the commands. Right. I, I won't go into the whole thing. Right. But anyway, and huge stand on the promises. Stand on the promises. I mean, of God. when you get know the promise, promises and stand on them. I mean, you don't get off of those promises. I was Amen. reading out of Isaiah 2 this morning that a time is coming when, when, there will be no, nations won't have any war anymore. Mm-hmm. That's a promise, right? And so that helps us. And then listen to the Holy Spirit, right? So that keep keep your sails up and listen right. and obey. Mm-hmm. And and be then persistent. Be totally persistent. And the illustration that I use is Jacob when he's coming back and he wrestles with God. Yeah, and, and I tell oh. people he had a wrestling match with God, and God wanted him to win the wrestling match. That's right. Because God given had given him a promise twenty years earlier. And so Jacob said, no, mm-hmm. that promise is mine. I'm right. standing there. So that's so, what we do. So persevere for the promises. Yeah. Why don't you just pray that out for not yeah. only the those in the Middle East watch. We don't have a lot of time, but if you could yeah. just pray that out and then we'll close. Appreciate you being with us today. Though. Amen. Amen. Lord, in, in Jesus' powerful name, mm. I pray that you'll get everybody that's listening, just give them a heart of full obedience. Amen. Radical obedience yes, to you. Mm. And and that Lord, as they and that they'll read the book, read the word okay. themselves, mm-hmm. and listen to the word, and they'll put their weight down on your promises, Amen. and then they will listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and then Lord, they will they will continue to walk in that hope that is theirs and receive everything that you've given to them. Amen. Thank you, Lord, in Yeshua's name. Don, thank you for joining us today. It's been inspiring as always. Thank you as, thank you as well for those from the nations that are viewing My Brother's Keeper. 
Tune in with again next time for another edition. I'm Michael Karam. Shalom from Jerusalem. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.